Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce. I'm your host for today's episode, Lisa Hackbarth. I'm joined today by Ben Carr and Rushin Akhtash. Hey. <laughs> from the AI Labs at Blue Prism. How are you guys doing today? It's great. Sleepy. It's early. No, <laughs> it's a bit earlier than I'm used to. <laughs> no, good, thanks. Good. Good to be here. Great. Well, thanks for being here, guys. It's great to have you on the show. Um, today, we'll be discussing some of the basics. What is AI? What are people doing with it today? And what's possible? But first, let's hear a little bit more about you guys. So, Ben, why don't you start? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm Ben. I'm a research engineer here at Blue Prism. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, well, you might pick up from my accent. I'm Scottish. And I got into AI through making a game, actually, at uni. It's a really, really bad game. Um, you controlled a little green square and you had to shoot a little red squares that were trying to get you. But bringing the little red squares to life, giving them a mind of their own, um, was really fascinating to me. And I've just been kind of pulling that thread ever since. And here, here we are. Thanks. And uh, So I'm Turkish. Um, I came to UK maybe about six years ago uh, to have a PhD here. Before that, I got a computer engineering degree in Middle East Technical University in Turkey, in Ankara. And I went into AI by, I guess, pure chance, you could put it. Because at the time, I was interested in computer graphics and computer vision sounded pretty relevant, although they had nothing to do with each other. So I went to the, this field accidentally. been here since. And... In maybe a few months ago, I started working for Blue Prism. So here I am in London. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to hear more about what you guys are doing. So let's let's jump in. So let's see. So I, I hear these terms, AI, machine learning, machine intelligence, and I think I have kind of a broad understanding of them. But speaking to an audience like me, can you guys tell me a little bit more about that? Like, what is AI? What is machine learning? Can you break it down? Give me some examples and maybe some organizations who are using this technology right now and what they're doing with it. Yeah, so to me, at least, AI is actually um, a very vague term. It means completely different things to different people. And it's meant different things over time. So it used to be that AI was beating chess, for example. And in the 90s, this was a huge problem within the AI world until IBM created Deep Blue and beat a grandmaster. And suddenly, as soon as that happened, it was deemed not to be AI. It was just, it was just computation. And the, goal, the goalposts shifted. And so you often hear uh, AI researchers, engineers moan because AI changes and everyone, the critics like to say, oh, that's not AI, that's just simple, rule-based, that's just... It's like as soon as it's solved and understood, it, the magic is kind of lost. <laughs> so that's, I don't know, that's, that's what 
yeah, AI is a bit of a kind of vague term, but these days, recently, AI generally tends to be synonymous with deep learning, which is a subfield of machine learning, which we can talk about. I don't know, would you agree with that, Rishan? Uh, I agree with the fact that AI's focus has, AI research focus has shifted in the last maybe 50 years. Every time, every decade, it has a different focus, different mm -hmm. methods it was working on. But I guess AI in a broad sense means developing intelligent machines, whether it could be an actual machine, something you can see, or whether it could be a software, by basically creating this uh, machinery that can understand human behavior and sometimes mimic it. This is, I guess, the broad term. But these days, as Ben put it, it's, it's mixed up with other terms. For example, machine learning and deep learning and AI, they are all used by AI, machine learning, and deep learning. They are used by companies and people interchangeably sometimes. And there's quite a bit of hype around it because it used to be that mostly it was research labs in universities that were actually working on AI. And these days, because of the commercial success of it, lots of companies are picking it up as well. So when you think about it, it's, there's quite a lot of hype around it and everybody's talking about it, everybody's going into it. So it's somehow dispersed into other fields as well. Perhaps we should uh, take a second to explain briefly machine learning and deep learning, because... That was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Well, so like I said, deep learning is a type of machine learning. And machine learning algorithms are different from your kind of conventional algorithms. They aren't hard-coded, explicit, rule-based algorithms that a coder writes every line of. They're instead trained upon data. So you find, typically, you'd collect some data of inputs and outputs, and you would feed the inputs into a model, a machine learning algorithm, and it would try and predict what the outputs should be for those inputs. And because you have the outputs already, the kind of ground truth, you can see whether they're right or wrong, these predictions. And when they're wrong, you slap it on the wrist and you tell it that, that was wrong, and you tweak the parameters within it such that the next time it's a bit closer to its target. And you keep doing this, you keep reiterating, training, as we call it. And eventually, hopefully, you have a model which fits your data and has captured the relationship between inputs and outputs. Maybe, Rishun, you can Well, so that. That, that makes sense then, because we're, um, I think I had some, I was curious because they were talking about how, depending on who's training it. There's a big problem in AI around model fairness. Mm -hmm. So because these models are trained on data that's kind of human in nature, somehow it's collected by humans and it often captures biases and unfairness in the human world. And the models then reflect that. So for example, if there's certain, there, could, there might be a, a machine learning model that tries to predict your likelihood of defaulting on a loan, for instance, mm -hmm. and it would, to predict your likelihood, it uses features about your profile 
about perhaps about your age, your gender, your race, and it can use this information to, yeah, to quite accurately predict um, your likelihood. But at the same time, it might end up being sexist or racist or ageist. So it's up to the designers, the engineers of the machine learning models to account for this uh, unfairness, um, which is really difficult, actually. Um, it requires kind of taking a step back and thinking about the sort of biases that you want to correct in the first place uh, before you even come to the technical challenge of fixing the models such that they don't represent, they don't reflect those biases. Mm -hmm. In fact, we plan on doing an episode uh, on exactly this topic. Interesting. Um, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Just to add something on that, so it's it, there is the problem of designing the models, as Ben put it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there is also the problem of so these models are trained with real world data. So this real world data is usually comes from humans, us. Mm -hmm. So obviously. The inherent problems we have we we have in our lives, like for example things like biases, which manifests itself, for example, in racial profiling. It could be other things, other sort of problems or any instances of racism we face, is reflected in the data that we train the models with as well. As long as you are solving a real world problem, and especially if you're working with people and people's data, these things come out all the time. It's up to the researchers to actually account for these things because you know them there. If they are in the data, you you should know them. But some problems that AI companies are facing is if you don't have a diverse uh, research team in your company, if there are only specific uh, people coming from specific backgrounds, they may not account for these things, right? Because you have to somehow relate to those people who are maybe discriminated against in order to understand them. And if they are all coming from a certain background, they may not be aware of these things, or they may not be very, let's say, vigilant in understanding these things. So these different factors come together, and they obviously show up in themselves, as in, for example, Google's AI recognizes black people as baboons and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they're all gorillas, sorry. So it, it does, these things do happen at the end. When you look at the pipeline, there are multiple factors involved. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that can be a totally, um, you know, whole topic uh, on yeah, its own. Yeah. Um, so I think you guys said you're going to address that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To come back to your question, we've talked a little bit about AI, machine learning, uh, but we should also talk a little bit about deep learning. Deep learning is a type of machine learning. It's like a subset of machine learning. And deep learning algorithms are all based upon uh, a type of algorithm called a neural network, which is a very, is a very, very crude approximation of how neurons and synapses fire in your brain. And what makes deep learning deep is the fact that these neural networks are layered. So you have these different layers of computation and it inputs go through one layer and then they they're spat out and they're then the inputs to the next layer so you have this kind of sequence of layers and this allows them to capture really complex relationships between the inputs and the outputs and they've turned out to be incredibly powerful versatile algorithms that can be put to 
an absolute plethora of tasks. And yeah, um, that's what makes deep learning deep. Interesting. So how does all of this tie in with RPA? So, so far, uh, at least in my experience, it's, uh, the way it ties in with the RPA is that you're in RPA, you're trying to mimic human behavior on computer processes, let's put it like this. So there's a certain task that you're accomplishing on your computer, maybe sometimes repeatedly over and over again. These tasks are the topics of RPA companies. Things that are automatable are usually repeated. So there's a benefit in repeat, there's a benefit in automating them so that they can be done by machines rather than humans. So in terms of the high level um, task that you're trying to accomplish, it definitely ties in well with the RPA. Now, when you talk about uh, bits, uh, bits and bobs or, or the nuts and bolts of the RPA machinery that is out there, the machine learning is just starting to get in there. It's not fully out there yet. At least that's the way I see it. So there are certain things that you do with conventional methods in RPA that you can do, but they have some limitations. And these limitations show up in almost all of the companies. So when you look at the landscape, many RPA companies, they are trying to integrate machine learning into their products, but it's a process that is going on for a while. So one, one area of RPA uh, in which machine learning, deep learning AI can have immediate um, impact is in processing unstructured data. So by unstructured data, I mean things like images, text, like um, sort of natural text, as opposed to... Like if someone fills out a form with their handwriting. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and then you scan that into the computer. The mm -hmm. computer can't just immediately know what, what's been written. You have to parse that into machine language of some sort. And so that generally requires uh, an OCR system, an optical character recognition system. And that is, these days, a form of AI. And they can be incredibly sophisticated models that do that parsing. And this is actually a huge problem for businesses today. The amount of unstructured data that gets passed around companies is huge. Not everything's digitalized, like it probably will be eventually. And this requires a lot of work. You need lots and lots of people doing mindless, repetitive work, reading documents and filling out tables. This is ripe for automation. And that's where AI can come in. But in the long, sort of long-term future, there's huge potential for AI to kind of transform the way we set up automations and converse with computers. So instead of having to hard code an automation, you, say if you have a process that you'd like to automate in a company, as it presently stands, there's a lot of work involved in kind of capturing that process and then defining it and designing a workflow of some sort that you can repeat this can take like skilled people a huge amount of time. A better way would be to kind of like you would converse with a colleague, like a human colleague. If you could somehow design an AI system that can understand 
the way people talk and the way people issue tasks, assign tasks, and kind of natural forms of com communication like speech or visual de visual demonstration, then this would be huge. You could just set up automations uh, on the fly, like, just like that. <laughs> just to add to that is I often, uh, I'm the technical, let's say, expert of the family. So when my mom has a problem, she calls me and she asks me, well, what should I do now? And then I get, I get this error message and stuff. It would be very really nice if the actually telling the software what to do would be that simple. It's like click that button, drop down box, go there, do that, type this in and then enter. It would be, that is the sort of the vision that we have uh, for the future of RPA. Right now it's not there. Uh, it has many sources of machinery, understanding the language, and linking that language to actually elements on a computer that, mm -hmm. that's a separate technology you need to develop. But all these things coming together, that is the future of RPA, that's the ambition. Nice. I feel like I could go on and on about how far we've even come in my lifetime from you know, my first computer, I think it was like an Apple IIe, and you know, mm -hmm. you had to know the specific code. There was one line, and there was a keyboard, and you had to know exactly to you know what to type in to get it to do something and how non-intuitive that was. You had to have a manual on the side, you know, to figure out how to just talk to it. So thinking about that and how far we've come now, and then, you know, in another 20, 30, 40 years, how far we could go, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what do you guys think is possible? What will companies be doing with AI in one, three, five, ten 10 years? It's a really fun question. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about specifically for RPA or in general? Um, if we can keep it around the RPA, robotic process automation topic, um, but if you know you have other ideas too, I think um, all of all of it is pretty interesting. So, do you want to start speculating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can imagine this being played back to me in ten years' time. When <laughs> I got it all completely wrong, um, so. The, Predicting timelines uh, of when things are going to happen is incredibly difficult, and people have been getting it wrong, crazy wrong, for a long time now. So, disclaimer, this is probably completely off, but in my opinion, there's going to be huge advancements in the next decade, and this is going to happen in so many different areas. Pretty much every industry will be somehow transformed by AI. It's hard to think of any area, I, I'm not being hyperbolic, like any area uh, of industry that won't be somehow at least touched by AI. Um, so for example, um, say the health sector, AI has huge potential to transform the way we detect illness, predict illnesses from happening even, so prevention. Uh, research, researching new drugs, new enzymes and proteins to help fight things like cancer. Even, yeah, I mean, obviously autonomous cars, that's quite a hot topic. But this is an area which actually people have, people have been predicting this for a long time. So it's actually, it's actually very hard to know when it's going to come. But um, autonomous robots, drones, agriculture even, the way we automate farm work, in finance, the way we predict the, the markets evolving, the way we interpret 
satellite imagery. We're going to have a bit, much better understanding of how the world's evolving on a large scale, how the climate's changing. AI will help with this, parsing all that data, all that image data. is like perfectly well-posed problem for AI. It's already happening. More personally, um, our smartphones are going to have more and more AI embedded in them. So things like AR, augmented reality, I think that's going to kick off, really start kicking off in the next 10 years, and that's going to be powered by AI. So you might be able to hold up your phone on a street and get kind of real-time information on the shops you see, what's in those shops, what's, in, what's the menu in that restaurant, things like that. There's so many possibilities. It's really quite hard to kind of get a handle on it. It's overwhelming. So it's probably important to have a bit of balance here. It's not all rosy and necessarily positive because this technology is so transformative. It's there's certain areas that are going to we're going to struggle with. Like um, for instance, there's a lot of discussion at the moment around target advertisements. So the ads that are displayed to us are becoming more and more targeted. And a lot of that is powered by machine learning, kind of using your profile data and predicting which ads are best suited to you. That's like a well-posed problem for machine learning. And they're getting so good that people are starting to question whether how manipulative they are, basically. And very related is targeted political ads. These algorithms are getting so good that they almost program you into thinking or voting a certain way. And that has huge implications for our democracy. So that's just a couple of examples of where AI can also, also be potentially a force for bad. So it's just going to take, it's a very powerful technology and with the cliche term, with great power comes great responsibility. And it's cliche, but it's very true in this case. It depends what we do with it. Yeah, very true. I can add a few things to that as well. I mean, there's always this all this cool stuff uh, about autonomous cars and all the other things that Ben has actually mentioned. So there's no need to repeat them. But there are a few things that I would personally want to see uh, in the future of AI, both in the near term and also in the long term as well. So I guess one of the things is that obviously there are lots of tech companies that are working on AI and the latest technologies, but this doesn't always translate to various systems that we have already in place. For example, NHS, for example, education um, schools and other educational platforms. So these platforms and let's say health systems, they usually follow maybe 20, 30 years from afar, including also some, let's say, some banks, let's say, all these old, um, let's say, old establishments that have been there for ages, they, they are like dinosaurs. They are very difficult to divert and they are very difficult to adopt the new technologies, particularly because it's costly and also it's because they are used to the ways that they've been working with. So I would personally want to see them adopt AI and latest technologies in their field so they can increase the efficiencies because some people may not be aware of these things, but for example, all this, there are lots of tasks in a hospital that can actually be automated. All this transcription of, for example, mm -hmm. uh, notes, they even sometimes have to switch between different systems because the notes are in one system, the 
records in another system. All these things, they can even include RPA to automate this thing. So there are lots of possibilities there. Uh, other than that, I, would, I guess I would like to see Siri or other or voice assistants stop being gimmicks and actually start producing value for the people. Like do actually more than just maybe playing music and setting up meetings, things like that. So if you watch the movie Her, that's the sort of, um, so there's a voice assistant that actually is very smart and you keep speaking to your computer, people keep speaking to their computers all the time to do certain things, but not just, not just for that, but also a, sort of a personal relationship with them. That, that is something that can happen. Always go for the good cause, not for the bad cause, let's say. Yeah, my sister, I mean, I know it's probably very surface, but my sister gave an example the other day that she was on her computer and she saw something that she wanted to purchase. And out loud to herself, she said, is that the price? Is it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the, I think it was a Google assist or whatever from the other side of the room said, is everything okay? Uh, <laughs> and she was like, oh my gosh, AI is listening. <laughs> scary. Yeah. Is everything okay? Did you see the, the recent paper by Google Brain? Which one? Uh, the one with the open domain chatbot. Ah, uh, yes. Paper. I can't remember the title, but the, the uh, AI that they designed there actually makes a joke. Um, like a, a kind of quite natural, I wouldn't go as far as saying funny uh, pun, but it made sense and it like made sense in the context of the conversation two or three messages before it was on topic. Oh, um, wow. It was, they were chatting about, so it was a human chatting with this AI. And so, yeah, kind of like on messenger or something. And they were, on the topic of animals going to university and <laughs> the AI said something about a horse going to Havard. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. But they checked in the training data and there was, there was no mention of that pun anywhere. Wow. So it done that completely. It's understanding. It's completely novel. The rules of puns. Yeah. 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 So you can learn that that paper actually kind of smashed state of the art in, in on that problem. Um, so there's big advancements happening in that space. So yeah, it might not be uh, just a gimmick soon. Mm -hmm. Pe the people might start falling in love with their smart homes. Yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> the dream. <laughs> until you have Living to get the dream. Until you have to get tooth surgery. There's an advertisement about a guy who couldn't get into his home because he had. He had dental surgery and he's going like, burr, burr, burr. and then he goes, well, it's not recognized. A couple of more things. Home robots, they will be very nice to have that can cook for you. They can do the dishwasher. Actually, I, I worked in a project where we built a two meter big robot that was loading a dishwasher. That's all it was doing. But obviously that's, you can't have that in a home. That's just super Well, big. computers used to take up a room, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it smaller at some point, isn't it? And this sort of home tasks, maybe that you can automate them. Another thing you can uh, actually, people are working on is helping the elderly people or maybe people in other types of need at home with robots. So home assistance robots, they can, they can actually help you with your data tasks and they can also detect if you're in distress and they can actually, um, let's say, uh, alert the hospitals and things like that. 
we have some of this technology already in place. So there are already, I, I read some reports about the Apple Watches. Uh, whenever the the wear, wearing person is in distress, it calls Cardia. 911. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it can, it, they can already do these things, but there are obviously other issues they need to deal with because having robots in our life is different than having software robots. Our lives are very unstructured, complicated. They have to deal with all these unpredictable elements. People showing up from everywhere, people bumping into each other, people doing unpredictable things. So we, we are used to these things, but they are not. Mm -hmm. This is the same problem with autonomous cars as well. Mm -hmm. This is a common problem. So there are challenges, but they can be solved, I'm hoping, in the next 10 years. And the last thing I want to see is live interpretation of languages. So you can actually speak to, to people in different languages and you could understand each other in real time. That yeah. would be nice. We're, we're getting close to that. Yeah. Google's yeah. got some yeah. head earbuds that yes. do Chinese to English, Mandarin to English in real time. Yeah. So maybe in the next three, four years, you can see this. <laughs> that would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So let's see. So translating this topic into business today, if someone hasn't started but they're interested, what's a great way to start? Like dip your toe in the water, get started, um, learn more. Well, it kind of depends where your where your background is. If you've got an inclination to know a bit about the the how of deep learning and AI, I can recommend a YouTube channel that I find fantastic. Um, it's called Three Blue One Brown. They do an introduction to neural networks. I think the episode's called "But What Is a Neural Network?" and it's less than twenty minutes long, and it's really nice. Got lots of visuals and explains everything really clearly and intuitively. So I'd strongly recommend that. Nice, and we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cool. So if you want to learn AI, in my opinion, from scratch, it, there, there are two paths. One of them is being unstructured. Let's say you start with your own small projects, you read blogs, you watch YouTube videos, and you sort of learn it on the fly. That is if you have discipline. If you don't have discipline, or maybe if you want something more structured, then you go, you go into other routes. You could start either with an online course, or you, even better, you could start with an online degree, of course, so it has multiple courses. So there are lots of online degrees, either on Udemy, or Coursera, or Udacity. All of these platforms, they actually give like a full curriculum of topics around AI, cool. including machine learning and other types of uh, fundamentals of computer science that's going to help you in the process. So when you think about all these things, taking a route like a degree, it can actually help you both learn not just this specific algorithms that you use day to day, but also the fundamentals, which is going to help you work more efficiently. So I think if you're looking for something more, maybe that's going to help you to motivate yourself day to day, this is the road to go. But if you're a, a self-motivated person, I would definitely recommend going with your own small projects and learning it on the fly. Great. And I think, yeah, and for me, um, as I think about this whole idea of, and this show we've touched on this a couple of times already, but the fourth industrial revolution. And I think there's fear around, you know, and I, I think it's like in the past with the, you know, the machines are going to take our jobs. The assembly line got rid of a bunch of workers jobs, you know? And so now we're moving into this new era of machines taking jobs um, but the more I, I talk to people about it and think about it, it's like, do people actually want those jobs anyway? You know, it's the quote unquote burger flippers, you know, that's the stuff that 
it's jobs that people don't necessarily want or love. And so in order to adapt and change and keep up with it, it's stuff like this, that when you learn about it, then it takes the fear away because there's plenty of opportunity on the other side of what's coming. Uh, but you just have to kind of take that, that step to, once you learn about it, it, it puts you on the right side of the job opportunities. So, it, and I think, you know, so these are great resources for people to Another learn. one, um, if you're more interested in the impact of AI and not bothered about how it works exactly, um, there's a really comprehensive survey done by McKinsey. It's called The Next Digital Frontier. And it's a study carried out on thousands of businesses and uh, looks at hundreds of different case studies of AI being used in business. And yeah, it will definitely give you some idea of how widespread um, the adoption is. Nice. I think that maybe let me add one thing to that. So it, you talked about obviously re having to reskill yourself uh, in, the, in this new world where AI is taking over maybe routine jobs, but you have to reskill yourself to maybe create the AI that does these jobs. So actually, this is not that difficult or scary. It doesn't have to be that scary. There are programs, even as short as three months, they actually teach you how to start coding, how to code, and you can actually find jobs straight after that. So there's a, there's something called, there's a website called Makers Academy, which uh, a friend of mine actually had lots of friends who went there, who was working in a company that's, that was hiring these people. And they actually, they were quite uh, knowledgeable in their fields. So it, you can actually learn quite a few things in just three months and you can start working in this field. So there is no four years of education that you need to take beforehand. You just need to start with a few months of investment and things are going to follow after that. So it's not actually that scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what I heard from Matt on our one of our last episodes was that you know, this, the whole, the whole idea of RPA, robotic process automation for our audience who's new to this, that you can have just a regular business job and learn the technology to help you in your current job. You don't have to change careers or become a developer, but it can be integrated in what, what you're doing. So that's one of the cool things now about technology is just how much easier the interfaces are with pre-built processes and if you're working in a certain software, there's processes already built. So you can basically grab the work that someone else has already done and just customize it to your particular instance. And then you're off and running. So yeah, super cool. So let's jump into what you guys are doing in our AI lab. Um, let's talk about more about your job and um, you know what you're responsible for. What, what's your output? What are you delivering? Yeah, so we're both research engineers and that too have been working very closely alongside each other and too close too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah we're focused on um, changing the way automations are set up like we touched on before the the process of setting up an automation at the moment is hugely laborious and it means there's this huge tail of uh, customers, potential customers that just don't have the resources to set up an automation. Perhaps the the process they want that they want to automate is not quite a high enough value to justify that investment of time and resource. So, to help that tail end out, 
it'd be hugely beneficial if there was a quicker way of setting up these automations. So we're looking into ways of setting up these automations really quickly, intuitively, and naturally. And in particular, we're looking at ways of setting up, up an automation solely through visual demonstrations. So instead of coding every line of an automation, you instead show the computer what you want to be done. It will ask you questions on the way for confirmation and you will give some user input, but overall it's a really quick process. That's the dream anyway. To do that requires a lot of moving parts coming together. And so at the moment we're working uh, within computer vision. So using AI to help understand uh, unstructured images. Yeah, that's a little bit vague, but unfortunately we can't go too much into the technical details. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we might have to cut this part out. But I'm just going to give you a bit of yeah. information about uh, um, about the projects we're working on as well. Yeah. So in, in the research lab, we have three separate directions right now. One of them, the first one actually Ben mentioned, is uh, is a project that's going to cut this development time from days, weeks to actually minutes. So this is what we are trying to achieve. And instead of, let's say, a team of de developers code. <laughs> Instead of a team of developers coding a process explicitly, which is something uh, we talked about AI as well. Instead of coding the, let's say, what you want the algorithm to do, we're actually trying to make it so efficient and so seamless that you actually demonstrate what you want to a computer, and after one time, after a few times, it actually picks it up and does it for you. So this is automation level that we want to achieve. Obviously, this is a complex thing. We are trying. We have multiple steps we need to achieve in the meantime. Each one of these steps is going to contribute to Blue Prism um, company and current product as well. But this is what we are trying to achieve. On another project, we have a. We are trying to create a, let's say, a method that can actually understand and parse documents, depending on what you want from the documents, what you want to parse. Um, so this is another project direction. This is the this is this ties in with Ben's earlier comment about there are lots of companies working with unstructured data. So how can we put it in a structured state? And the, the third thing we're working on is actually you let's say you show a computer what to do a few times, but this, this third project we have right now is actually understanding patterns from that and making maybe inferring some high-level actions so that you can actually make this process even more efficient than it is. So can, you can recognize things like, uh, oh, you actually logged into this website. And the, the way to log into this website is similar to this other website login as well. So you can actually find these high-level connections that create some inference uh, out of these things. And you can actually use this to make the processes more efficient. So these are the three directions we are heading. Obviously, the, these are long-term goals. They have short-term goals. But this is the general sense of what we are working on. OK, cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, with that, um, I think we will wrap up here. So Ben and Rushin, thank you guys so much for this very interesting conversation. <laughs> thank, thank you very you, much, Lisa. All right, so if anyone listening has follow-up questions or would like to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Just get us on LinkedIn, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Under Blue Prism. 
Great. But any comments, if you want to add us, just find us on LinkedIn. Yeah, feel okay. free to reach out. Perfect. And then we'll grab those links and put them up in the show notes too. Perfect. All cool. right. Thank well, you. thanks again, guys, for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. And for our audience, thanks to, thank you so much for listening, for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed our time. And um, we would love to hear from you. If you have questions or would like more information, please visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast where you'll find more information about the show and a way to contact us. And if you'd like to hear more about AI, RPA, and other digital and cognitive technologies, join us as we continue to explore these topics with industry innovators and experts. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to Generation Digital Workforce wherever you listen to podcasts. So thanks again. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.